Good morning, everybody. Good morning. How are you all doing today? Doing well? Good. Go ahead and have a seat for a minute if you want to. We just got a few announcements, but as we're getting going, uh, we just want to welcome everybody who's joining us online this morning, and thank you for being here. But thank you, everyone that's here this morning. It's way different than last week. We could actually get out of our driveway, some of us, right? Um, and some of us are getting a little healthier, and so it's great to be back together as a whole faith family. This is really neat. Um, if you are joining us this morning online as well, uh, as we welcome you, we also just want to let you know that you can let us know that you're joining us this morning if you want to, or share prayer requests, and you can do that online um, right where you're at. If you're on our main screen, you can just go out of full screen. Um, if you're on our home, or on our website is what I'm trying to say, go out of full screen, and on, I think it's on this side if I'm looking right, um, you'll be able to just fill in kind of a prayer request, let us know who's with you, and we'd love to know that you're with us this morning. If you're on YouTube, you can just go down to the description and it'll take you to a link to do the same thing. If you're here this morning and you have prayer requests or things you want to communicate with the church, of course, word of mouth is great. We love to talk in person. But if it's just something you want to communicate, you can also put that. Um, there's little flyers uh, on the sides of the pews and let us know that um, or whatever you want to communicate. Put your name on there so we know who's talking. And then whenever the offering comes around, um, or in the offering boxes in the back, you can just put that slip in there and we'll get it to the right person to communicate what you want to right away. Um, and uh, uh, other announcements. It says here, life groups are meeting as usual this week. So just get in touch with your life group leader. Get in a life group if you aren't yet. This is a great time. It's the beginning of the year. Let's, let's keep connecting with one another. Um, elders meeting is going to be today. Is that after church? I haven't heard this, the details on this yet. Right after church? All right. Elders right after church. Awanas and youth group are going to start up again this week. And then there also is going to be a worship leaders uh, scheduling meeting this Saturday. So worship team leaders, just be aware of that. And you can see any other announcements as they come up. We're trying to get them in the bulletin. And you also may notice the new uh, bulletin and how it's kind of got the different things, like kind of an order of service on there. So feel free to use that as a resource for you. All right, with that, let's go ahead, and I'm going to make you stand up again, and we're going to read God's Word. Just out of respect and honor to God's Word, this is what all of us are under authority to, um, Shane, elders, everyone. And so we just want to respect God's Word, and we're going to read this together today, and then start to memorize it for this month. So Mark 1.22, the people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority not as the teachers of the law. Mark 1.22. That last song was a favorite uh, of a, a, one of our dear members that we lost, um, Wayne Ransom. That was his favorite song. And Sandy shared that with me this last week. I wanted to read to you uh, the Ransom family. As many of you know, um, Wayne passed away, and we're going to be missing him. Uh, but this is from uh, his family. I wanted to thank us. Thank you for wrapping around them. So it says, Dear First Baptist Church, we want to thank you so very much for rallying around our mom when our dad took ill. It was a comfort to know that while we were making arrangements to travel to the hospital in Casper, mom wasn't by herself in Riverton. The phone calls, personal visits, and prayers were greatly appreciated. Many of you were so very gracious when uh, our sister Shannon reached out to you. You are an ans you answered our questions, provided support, and made sure the church family was in constant prayer for our family. You are truly an example of what a church family is and does. 
We covet your continued prayers for mom as she takes each coming day, one at a time, uh, a, um, one day at a time. That's the Ransom family, Shane, Shannon, Alan, and Becky. And uh, I think our continued prayers and support for that family uh, as we all uh, learn to do life as we miss our, our good friend, Wayne, our good brother, Wayne. Hey, um, so with that, I want to pray for Sandy, and then I want to invite Chris to come up. We've got a, a guest here today to share with us a little bit about CEF, but would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we just pray for Sandy in particular. And God, as we sang that song, I was just picturing, God, Wayne is with you, and he's praising you, and he is rejoicing in you, Lord. We miss him, but we take so much comfort and joy in the fact that he is with you, because to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. We mourn as those who have hope in you, Lord. We thank you, but pray uh, for your support uh, for the Ransom family in the days to follow. Lord, we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite Chris. Uh, Chris, go ahead and come up. Many of you, I believe, know Chris. I just met Chris today, um, but Chris is going to come up, and uh, we're going to do uh, kind of, yeah, children, you are dismissed to uh, children's church. <clears throat> and uh, if we could bring slides up. Oh, yeah, our video here. We want to show video first, actually, if we could.
I think that's a mission that we can applaud. That's pretty awesome. Um, I know, man, what, what an amazing mission to, to share the gospel with children. And so, um, Chris, I know you, your roots go even deeper than mine, right, at, at oh, this yeah. church. So um, tell, for those of us who don't know, uh, who are you and, um, and what do you do? So I'm Chris Peabody. Many of you probably know my parents, Myron and Shannon. They've been around here a little bit longer, at least recently, than I have. Um, I moved up to Montana back in 07 to go to Bible college up there. And that's when I left my church here, but I knew I always had a home back here, which was nice to be able to come back and visit and see all the people. And it's cool to see the change. I mean, even from back when, when I was here, you know, being a little terror running around, uh, Wayne would always yell at me to take off my hat um, and get after me there. But it, it's just neat to see the growth, the people, and the change, and even not so much the change, but even just the heart of the people here mm. in the ministry here in Riverton. Mm. So, Amen, amen. And you were telling me a little earlier off the cuff that there was some football that was played oh, yeah. in the auditorium. <laughs> Sanctuary football. Uh, there you go. <clears throat> we would always play that. And at least the pews are still holding up pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so if you see any dents or footprints, it was Chris's fault, okay? <laughs> so no, I'm just kidding. Um, so uh, Chris, tell us a little yeah. bit about um, so your mission and what, what does a ministry day look like? What does a ministry week look like? What are some of the events that you take part in yeah. at CEF? <laughs> so uh, the ministry I'm a part of, and if you'll go to the next slide, that really, if you remember the video, it said every child, every nation, every day. And how, that, how do we live that out here in the States too? And this is what we work with in Montana. It's to trust God without boundaries, to increase our ability to impact the lives of children by initiating ministry through the local church. And that's really our heart in Montana is to, to be able to trust God. We have to work. God established the church. So we work with what God established. And so our heart is to really come alongside the church to be a tool that they can use to reach out into their communities to reach the kids, to reach the families ultimately, but to get the gospel out to those kids and to really give the church more tools that they can use to do that. So that's our heart. And a typical <laughs> week, it varies week to week. Um, and depending on the time of the year, it varies there too. Um, in the summertime, we're busy every week. We're going out to local churches, helping and assisting them with VBSs that we put on. Uh, CEF calls them five-day clubs, but in working with the local church, we just it's a VBS that's mobile. It can go anywhere. We go to parks. Anywhere the church wants to have it, we'll go. And so summertime, we're out with teams every week doing that. Um, but during the fall and winter months, it's going around and talking with churches, getting to know them, figuring out what they need help with, that if we can come alongside and help them with it, we will. So one way we do that is we train children's workers. We CEF's been around for over 85 years now, and so there's a lot of experience working with kids that we want to pass on. 
And so mm -hmm. we'll work with and train church ministry workers on how to share the gospel, how to teach kids. So actually in a couple weeks, I'll be doing a training. So that's generally, and if it's not doing that, it's going out and speaking at youth groups, speaking at churches, getting ready for the summer. Mm -hmm. So generally that's a lot of what we do, but there's a lot of stuff I'm figuring out right now too, because I'm taking on more responsibility with my new role here in Montana. So um, our state director retired. And so I'm currently in the process of becoming the state director for Montana. So there's a lot of things you got to go through first before they'll give you that name. So I'm doing that on top of trying to get ready for the summer. So, hmm. you know, Chris, a uh, couple of things that, um, and I've had some experience with CEF um, as I was up in Sheridan, fantastic program, but I've seen really two things from my perspective that are just invaluable when it comes to CEF. One is gospel training. And they take youth through CYIA yep. um, and train them how to share the gospel. And I think many of us as adults would be like, man, I could really do with a training like that. How do I share my faith? How do I share the gospel clearly? They do a fantastic job making sure that the gospel, that, that youth are equipped with the gospel. Mm -hmm. And then number two is getting the gospel into the, the ears, the head, the hearts of children. Um, I don't know if you've heard some of the t statistics, but uh, almost 80% of people who come to faith in their lifetime come to faith before the age of 20. Did you know that? That means that the young people are highly strategic. Children, youth, we want to highly invest in them. Hey, by the way, that's what the Bible encourages us to do is to make <laughs> disciples right? And oh, yeah. so this is a, a ministry that does that. Sorry, I didn't want, oh, no. I got all, you got me all excited, Chris. So. Hey, that's why I'm here. <laughs> um, so um, Chris, I did want uh, yes. you to share maybe a little bit, and we got some graphics. Oh, yeah. Did you want to say anything about yeah. your graphics so, here? Usually when I've come down, I <clears throat> tell you guys about what's been happening up in Montana as far as numbers wise and the growth and thing. And we decided to look back a couple years and just show the average growth that we've had in certain areas of our ministry. And this one is with our church partnerships, working alongside those churches. And in fact, that number would probably be higher if we went back all the way to 2016 when we worked with one church. And so to have that 36% growth in church partnership and it's sustaining and growing still is just really cool to see God bless that coming alongside his church and not just going out and trying to do ministry ourselves really is where it's at. He's blessing us. And this is just showing you guys how those numbers look on a year basis. On 2020, we worked with 23 churches and did 30 vacation Bible schools and worked with uh, teenagers and interns to help lead those teens. And we reached 680 kids that year. And that mm. was... Amen. That was... I believe the COVID year. Yeah. So the fact that while most things were shutting down, we actually grew. When you look at 2019, we grew in that year. But then you come to 2021 and we jumped to 1,162 kids. Amen. And 19 yeah. kids who profess their faith and are plugged into local churches. This year, if we look, we did go down a little bit, but we worked with a couple less churches this summer, 
which for us was interesting because obviously the Yellowstone flood, we had a couple churches that were in that area that kind of got diverted into other <laughs> aspects there. So, but we still reached over a thousand kids and 16 professions of faith, and that's all God. But our interns numbers went up Amen. by one. Our teens went up into the 25. So that was the largest number of teens we've had in Wyoming or in Montana working with them. So we've had a lot of growth. And as you can see, just in the four years, there was a 19% growth. You go back to 2016, it really grew. But this one right here, this growth is the coolest one to look. So when we do a VBS at the end of it, we do a rally where the parents come to the church to watch their kids and see what they've learned. And a good portion of these people are not church families. So we're connecting them to the local church. And there were over just these four years, 75% growth in the attendance that come to these rallies. That's the cool part to see is not only are these kids now hearing the gospel, their parents, their grandparents, the people who look after these kids are now getting connected to a church that these churches can then, after we're gone, can go out and minister to these families that they may hmm. not have been able to connect with otherwise. So hmm. that one right there, I think, is the coolest one to see just these last few years of growth there. But this one, this is our staff. We have three people now covering the whole state of Montana. And I don't know if you guys have looked at a map. Montana's not tiny. <laughs> But we cover the whole state. We go wherever ministry pops up, wherever God starts something, we go there. And this is our staff that helps cover that, helps train the teens, the churches, admin, all the things that go into our ministry, we're, we're working on it. And like I said, the biggest change is I'm currently in the process of becoming the state director. Our, current, our previous one stepped down in October which made life really interesting because in September, I just got married. So a <laughs> lot of changes. My wife is here, uh, Megan. and Everybody, you got to turn and wave. Wave at the... Megan. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she's invaluable. She helps me so much in learning this new role and taking, figuring things out, making sure I'm staying on task as well. I'm sure many of you guys know it's easy to get diverted, but she helps keep me on task, which is, not, is good right now, especially as I'm learning, because I could get go 20 different directions and nothing might get done. So she helps keep me there. But that's really what's been going on in Montana. There's a lot of growth, but also now a lot of change. And I'm excited to see what God does. Uh, through me in this, but also through my wife, through Lauren, the other young lady in the photo, to see what he does with ministry this year. Hmm. And a part of what we do is based on you guys, because you guys help through prayer, through your support. You guys make it possible for us to be able to serve those churches up in Montana. And I want to thank you guys for all your prayers and support over the years you guys have been one of the churches that has been behind me from the beginning. So again, thank you for all that you guys do. And I'm, I'm excited to see what you guys are going to be doing here in Riverton too. It's, it'll be fun to see that too. Well, amen, Chris. Thank you for coming and
Hey, speaking of prayer, I just want to, I want to put my hand on you and pray for you before we send you out. But I also just want to um, highlight something, and that's this, that we want to be a church who sends people with the gospel. We want to be a sending church. And I think it's cool <laughs> as you look around and, and Chris is like, I have memories as a youth in this church. And now I'm in Montana sharing the gospel with thousands Brothers and sisters, this is how the gospel goes, that we train up and we send out and we see not just a Riverton movement, not just a Wyoming movement, but to the ends of the earth because that's where the gospel is to go. And that starts with discipleship here. And so my prayer is going to be for Chris and that God would raise up many more Chris's from these ranks right here, from these people, from these youth um, and so join me in that prayer. Lord Jesus, I do. I thank you, God, for Chris. I thank you for his ministry. Um, Lord, we pray, oh God, we pray, would you bring children to faith? God, would you bring their families to faith? And would you bring them into local churches in Montana? God, we pray that there would be a movement of your gospel. God, you said, let the little ones come to me. And oh Lord, I pray against any, uh, against any roadblocks, any hindrances to that. Uh, Lord, I pray that Chris would have all of the resources that he needs when he needs them. God, that you would raise up more teenagers to come and to share the gospel and to be present. God, that you would send out workers for the harvest because the harvest is clearly plentiful. Uh, God, and so we pray that you'd send out workers into that harvest. God, I pray for Chris as he's newlywed. God, I pray that you bless him uh, and his marriage, Lord, and, uh, and Megan. And, and as they do ministry together, Lord, I pray that you would wrap your arms around them with many new memories of your um, working and glory through their ministry. We pray that over them in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you, Chris. Everybody give Chris just one more round of applause. All right. Well, that gets me very, very excited, church. Very, very excited. We're uh, going to be returning. Uh, hey, Happy New Year. You guys ready for this year? Is God going to move this year? Yes. Is God with us this year? Yes, and there are going to be some exciting things that happen. We're going to jump back into the very exciting book of Mark. Mark, and so if you got a Bible, turn to the book of Mark, chapter 1. And we had talked about the whole purpose of the book of Mark is the who and the how of Jesus. The most crucial part to our faith is the who and the how of Jesus. Who is Jesus? And the climax of the book of Mark is a conversation that the disciples have with him where he turns and he says, who do you say that I am? And the whole purpose of the book of Mark is so that the hearers, the readers would have to answer that question. Who do you say that Jesus is? And so that's going to be the question that we are going to labor over as we continue in the book of Mark. I want to start with a story, and then we're going to read a passage, and we're going to go really quick. So everybody buckle on your seatbelts. We're going to jump into the Word of God. Before we do, um, I will never forget my experience of moving into college. I moved into a house with a good friend of mine. And uh, I didn't know too much about, he would become a really close friend of mine. Uh, but as I moved in, we sat and had our first kind of housemate meeting. And he sits down with me and he says, Shane, now that we've moved in, 
We've got to go and we've got to anoint every doorframe with oil. We've got to cast out demons in every room. I was a Southern Baptist boy. And I will never forget when we had that meeting, he looked at me and I was like, cast out demons from every room. My pastor didn't say anything about demons ever. What are we talking about? Is there spiritual warfare? I had no idea what I was dealing with. No idea what I was dealing with. I was shocked. And so it was at that moment I was confronted. I had to come up with, I had to look into the word of God and figure out what does the word of God actually say about spiritual warfare, about the enemy, about the evil that we face in this world today. And so as I did, I, I came across uh, many and it spent a long time pursuing. How do we respond to the spiritual, man, junctions in our life? And how do we respond to this fact that there is this world, there is something going on that we cannot see? Do you guys believe that? That there is something going on that we cannot see. We don't see the whole picture. Well, the passage we're going to look at, Mark 1 starting at verse 21, is going to peel open this door to this realm that we don't see. And what is going on here? So Mark 1, 21, would you follow along with me? And they went into Capernaum. And immediately, I love the book of Mark because you're going to see action words all of the time. All of the time, you're going to see action words like immediately. On the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching. Everybody go, Whoa, right? For he taught them as one who had authority and not as one of the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. All right. Lord Jesus, we just pray that as we humbly approach this topic, this occurrence, this scenario in Scripture, would you help us to not be naive, God, not to be ignorant or to ignore things that you want us to know about or to be aware of, but Lord, I pray that you would also give us encouragement so that we wouldn't, we wouldn't walk around in fear. Lord, we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, the, the thing leading up until, so in the book of Mark, leading up until this point, we saw that Jesus is the, the number one title that Jesus has picked up that Mark is communicating to us is that he is, everybody say it with me, king. And so we're going to now sink into this whole section of what does the kingship of Christ mean? How where is his authority? Where does his authority, uh, where is it established? What does it look like? And so we start in uh, verse 21 with the kingship of Jesus, his authority over evil. It's really important as we begin to talk about this, that we understand that the Bible mentions evil, doesn't it? You can't read the Bible without starting in, in Genesis 3, talking about Satan and his influence 
And as we begin to talk about evil and the occurrence of evil, it's really important that we avoid two ditches. There's two ditches that we could drive into or fall off when we begin to talk about this topic. One is we can become fixated on evil. We can be fixated on on the enemy, fixated on demons. Many people do. That's where they begin to blame everything on Satan and demons. They stub their toe. Satan. They step on a Lego. Satan. That is Satan. (laughs) That's demonic. (laughs) I can get behind that. I think theologically I can get behind that. That hurts. Um, uh, we, or we make too much of him, and that's where we, we make him responsible for everything. The wind goes bad. The weather's bad. There's slick roads. No, that's just winter. <laughs> yeah, get an amen from that, right? But the other, the other danger that we fall into, the other ditch that we fall into is that we make too little of him. And this is where I think many, many times churches just avoid the topic of spiritual warfare altogether. And we just like to ignore the idea that demons exist. We like to ignore that there is a roaring lion seeking those whom he's going to devour. And the Bible discourages us from sticking our head in the sand and saying that that doesn't exist because we know all too well that it does. See, Satan shows up already in the the book of Mark. We've seen that he tempted Jesus. It's really important as we begin to talk about Satan and his demons that he is not equal to God. There is this weird teaching in movies today where it's like, it's like yin and yang, this idea that, that good and evil, that they're on the same playing field, that Satan is just as powerful as God. And that is just not the case. That is the lie that our culture wants you to believe. Satan is defeated. He's defeated and his defeated was sealed at the cross of Christ. He's just living out of his defeat. So we need to understand that he is not equal to God. We, what we know about the enemy and his demons, he's centered in pride and self-glory. And here's some passages I'm going to throw at you just in the interest of time if you write these down. But here's what's important for us to understand. Satan and demons have, there's workers. There's workers that work for them. They have false prophets, according to 2 Peter 2.1. There's false apostles. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 tells us this. There's false Christians, people who come into the church for the sole purpose of dividing us. Did you know we have infiltrators? The Bible tells us that there will be people who come into the church to give it a bad name, who seek to divide, and there will be false teachers. See, the enemy has many workers But don't worry, brothers and sisters, the Bible gives us the sense from Paul in 2 Corinthians 2.11. It says, uh, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. Some of your translations say of his schemes. So there's the sense that Paul is showing us that you can understand the schemes of the enemy and that that will be helpful. Okay, church? So we want to understand what are the schemes of the enemy? What are his goals? What are his designs? to destroy anything that is of the Lord, right? So his goal ultimately is fruitless Christians who believe lies. If you're a Christian, he can't, he can't do anything. You're, there's now no condemnation for you. So the great accuser can't accuse you of anything because it's been paid for by Jesus. So now the only thing he can do is make sure that you're fruitless and cannot share the gospel or be a light to this world. 
You know how the enemy can do that? Lies. We're going to talk about that here in a second. But his goal for the Christian and for the believer is a fruitless, is making them fruitless. If he can't destroy you, he can destroy how effective you can be for the kingdom of God. And this is what he does with Christians all the time, right? We've seen failure after failure, Christians destroying themselves based on sin, right? And, and therefore reflecting poorly on the gospel in our culture. He's doing a good job. He knows his trade. But there's hope, and I want you to see it here in this passage. Immediately, they were in the, where were they? Where did this occur? The synagogue. Why is this important? Because the church, just because you walk in these doors doesn't make you immune to the lies and influences of the enemy. You need to understand because somebody says to you, I'm a Christian, you should believe me. That's garbage. Just because somebody says they're a Christian doesn't mean you should believe them. That's why it's really important to measure everything to the word of God. Everybody thinks they're a Christian these days, don't they? Who truly is a Christian? But see, this occurs in the church. Brothers and sisters, I don't want to make us, uh, you know, don't be looking back and forth at each other like, oh, you know, who is it? But we do need to understand that this occurred in the synagogue, right? And it occurs in our churches. But what do we see? Jesus has authority over the things that we cannot see. And so we shouldn't walk around in fear in our churches, but we should walk around in awareness. But more than anything, we need to see that Jesus' teaching comes with, everybody say it with me, power. Power. Jesus' teaching comes with power, with authority over the things that we cannot see. When I think of power, I think of they're not talking about fruitless words. You ever heard somebody say things that you're like, they're not really good at backing up their talk, right? They, they can say a lot of things, but they, they don't do a lot of things. See, the, the fact, the, the power that he's talking about here that this passage is showing is that when Jesus, is teach, Jesus teaches something, it happens. It affects our reality. This is not make-believe. This isn't just some kid's story. This is a reality. And so when Jesus comes on the scene and he begins to teach, it begins to make sense because Jesus, he's an authority on all of creation, on reality. Brothers and sisters, it's going to be really important for us in the age that we go into because reality is starting to be questioned at every junction. You have virtual reality. You have augmented reality. You have delusional reality. Amen. The reality is being questioned all over the place, but that doesn't matter because Jesus's teachings about existence are true because he uniquely beyond any other person knows how creation was made. This is why brothers and sisters, we cling to the word of God to show us what true reality is because we can be deceived so easily, can't we? I, I compare it to... Um, a few years ago, we went to Aruba and we were snorkeling. And if anybody's had that experience, I decided, you know, I, I, the goggles are really uncomfortable. I'm going to try to like swim and look underwater and, without the goggles in salt water. How do you think that goes over? Ah! And here, brothers and sisters, when we begin to talk about the unseen realm, I think many of us like to look at movies or horror films or culture and what they say, and we try to figure it out on our own. 
and you're going to get burned and you're, you're not going to see the full picture. But when we look at it through the, through, the, through the realm or through the lens or through the goggles of the word of God, it's going to give us a clearer picture. And so when I was snorkeling, I was able to see the beauty of the world that I couldn't see on my own when I put those goggles on. See, this is the word of God for us. This is the power of Jesus's teaching. See, the unseen things don't get so scary. They actually become kind of beautiful when you look at the teachings of Christ. When you look at the teachings of Christ. See, the spiritual world has a major impact on the physical world. And we're going to see that as we continue to read in the book of Mark. There's some scenarios coming down the pipeline where it's going to show that there's this unseen world that seems to have more impact, incredible impact on what happens in the physical world, the world that we live in. And those two things aren't, they aren't really separate, but they're very interrelated. And so we can't just divide up and ignore this whole half of, of experience. See, I like to, to distinguish it not in terms of what's seen and unseen, but what is eternal and what is temporal. What is eternal? See, the unseen things that we, that we don't see are the eternal things of God, aren't they? And so we have this eternal battle being displayed in the synagogue on this day. And we see that Jesus is the truth. And so we know that if you remember a verse says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him, right? And so he is how we encounter life. He is how we encounter truth. He is our very definition. He is the embodiment of truth. You don't need to just think that he is speaking truth, but he is truth. He is truth, both in the physical world as we saw what he did on the cross, but also spiritually the battle that he won for us that day. And so if you're uh, trying to live a good physical life and you completely ignore the spiritual, you completely ignore that there's something else going on, you're missing half the equation. Ignoring the eternal realities is only ever sh a short-term solution. But our transition, so I want you to see here what happens Jesus is teaching with authority and immediately they're in a synagogue and the, the term an unclean spirit, he cries out in the middle. Can you imagine church this day? How uncomfortable would that be? You'd be like something's going down, right? We won't forget that. Some of us are like, I'm not going back to that church. That freaked me out. But it says an unclean spirit. It's really important that word unclean there literally means like cut off from God. So this spirit is not of God. Is not for God. That word, that term unclean, it, it means a spirit that has been cut off from God. And I want you to see his reaction. Do you hear the fear of this unclean spirit when he sees Jesus? Do you hear it? Do you hear the panic? What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I always, when I illustrate this with the students, uh, with students, I always talk about like if a lion literally walked in the back door and just kind of walked up the middle of the, maybe a grizzly bear would be better for our context. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? And he just walked down the middle of the, the aisle. How many of you would be like, ah! You're like terror instantly. This is how this spirit is responding to Jesus. We need to understand the immense authority that Jesus carried with him. This Spirit was terrified of the power that stood before him in Jesus Christ. What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And I love Jesus' reaction here, right? 
Um, so as we, as we get into this, I want you to see, he begins talking a lot. And it's, it's really important for us as we understand the tactics of the enemy. We need to understand that the enemy is really good at being loud. I'm going to say that again, really good at being loud. Really, really good at being loud. Um, see, the lies that the enemy spews out, did you know that he just has to come up with as many lies as he wants and confuse as many people as he can. They don't have to make sense. They don't have to be coherent. He doesn't have to say the same lie to two different people. He just has to be really loud. Do you see that in our culture today? We have a really loud culture, don't we? It almost feels like white noise. Everything's screaming at you. Your phones are screaming for your attention. Notifications are popping up constantly, wanting your attention. News headlines are constantly popping up in your, in your, in your, and did you know that he doesn't have to pick a side? He can just lie on both sides. If you're blue, if you're red, it doesn't matter. He's got lies to serve both of you because he just has to be loud. And so we see that as the tactic of the enemy is just being loud. See, he's got every one of our bias, every one of our weaknesses, every one of our desires, even the good ones, and he can feed us lies all day. This is why, brothers and sisters, I encourage you, don't argue online, because you're arguing with many, many deceived people. Many, many deceived people. That's why uh, I, I like to, we've started doing this thing with our kids, we call it spot the lie training with our kids. Parents, here's a good one. You know, watch some of those Disney movies that we're afraid of, but make sure afterwards you sit down and you say, where, were the, where was the lie? What did that movie try to get you to believe? Have you ever done that with the movies, adults that you watch? You will not watch anything that doesn't have a bias. Everything presents to you a worldview. Every news outlet, every song, every movie, every movie genre, every book that you read presents a worldview and wants you to eat of its worldview. It's presenting to you. How many of you stop and, and, and go, man, I need to spot the lie. And I need to use the word of God to help me spot the lies. And we need people, brothers and sisters that help us because we, both, we all have blind spots. Would you agree? There's things that I'm more susceptible to that you aren't and that you're more susceptible to. That's why the church is supposed to come to say, hey man, did you see that you bought into that? That's fellowship. And can you imagine if we start having those conversations at church? But oh no, man, Shane, we can't go there. That's, that's too intense. That's too confrontational. Church, do we love each other enough to say something when we see another one of us believing a lie? We got to fight the fight with one another and spot the lies and help each other, not quietly turning our head down. He will entertain you to do, uh, so the enemy, as we see in this passage, he gets loud and he will entertain you to your grave if it means that you don't ever look at the eternal life of the son. So if you're not a believer here, Satan's goal is to make sure you're as happy as you can all the way to hell. As long as you don't look at the son of Jesus, you don't look at Jesus. He's content to entertain you until you have, until your foot is in the grave. Believers, he is okay to entertain you so that you will not be intentional in living out Christ in the gospel or sharing the gospel. His worst nightmare is a room full of Christians that are ready to share their faith with others. <clears throat> How do we know some of these tactics of the enemy as we see in the synagogue as this happens, this unclean spirit, we could call it a demon. First Timothy 4, 1 through 2 says, some will depart from the faith, 
Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciousness, consciences are seared. Did you hear that? We see that lived out, that there will be deceitful spirits and teachings of demons even within quote-unquote Christian churches. Have you seen it? Can you spot it? John 8, 44, you are of your father, the devil, and you will, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. His most effective tactic is to lie and to keep doing it and to get you to believe lies. What lies have you bought? What lies do you believe? 1 Peter 5.8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a, a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. How does he devour them? Gets them believing lies. Gets them believing lies. Believer, he can get us believing in lies. And many of us have fallen. But I want you to see how Jesus responds. How does Jesus respond? Rebuked him saying, be silent. This is so cool. I looked this up. This was an intense saying. It was basically like Jesus, and I tell my kids not to say this, but shut up. This is Jesus in church saying, shut up and come out of him. Why is that important? Some of you need to hear Jesus tell that to you. That little voice in your heart, in your mind, that's trying to get you to believe lies, that culture, that entertainment. You need to hear the voice of Jesus in your heart and in your spirit say, shut up, stop believing it. Don't listen to it. Shut it off. You guys know that moment, don't you? you know, if you're like me, you let it go on too long. You listen just a little further than you should. Shut up. It's something we need to have in our spirit. We need to hear the voice of Jesus say, shut up to the lies that the enemy is spooling. There's a lot I want you to take away from this then, that there is a lot going on that you can't see, but Jesus is able to fight and win a decisive victory. We sang it today, didn't we, church? Victory in Jesus. Victory in Jesus. See, we need to be people to look at the word of God. And this, if there's one phrase you walk away with, you've probably heard me say it. Uh, this has been so helpful for me. It's preach to yourself, don't listen to yourself. Preach to yourself, don't listen to the world. Preach to yourself. What do you preach to yourself? The teachings, the powerful teachings of Jesus. Do you preach to your heart? Learn your master's voice. Learn your master's voice. Spend time in the precious word of God. So how do I want to leave you today, church? So what? Understand that only Jesus can fight the whole battle. Only Jesus can fight the whole battle. It's his authority, his kingly authority in our lives. But by God's grace, he can tell those lies to shut up. Let his voice find and quiet the lies. Are you ready to do this, church? Are you ready to humbly submit yourself to our king and say, I need your voice to find and quiet the lies that I believed. This picture, I love this picture because right behind me, that was where Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail. These are the gates that Jesus was talking about. 
This was called the a hell gate at that time. And this is when, when Peter says, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds, you're the Messiah, you're the Christ. And it says that the gates of hell will not prevail. Jesus turns around and says, the gates of hell will not prevail. Do you know gates uh, are not like protective of us? It's, it, the, the scenario there is not that we are being gated in, our defense, in defense. What is that, that whole scenario? The gates of hell will not prevail against what? The gospel going out in his people. So what does that mean? The challenge there from this book is to raid the gates of hell with the gospel of Christ, seeing people freed from the lies that they've believed. Are you guys ready to be a church this year that raids the gates of hell with the gospel of Christ and sees people come to faith? We are in a spiritual battle. Our king has won. We now just go out in faith behind his flag, behind his truth, and be the light. King Jesus reigns over evil. Uh, For your life groups, um, just some questions to ask in your life groups this week. What are some of the lies that you have believed, you believe or have believed? So small group leaders, would you please go over this? What are lies that you believe or have believed? And then what are truths from Christ that can replace these lies? What are the truths of Christ that can replace these lies? Would you talk about that in your small groups? And as we do, I'll have Carol go ahead and come up. We're going to have a time of response. Carol's going to play some music for us, and I'll have our elders come up. um, And we're going to do a time of response and offering. But if you're here and you need prayer, or maybe you need to sit down and just ask God, are there any lies that I'm believing? Would you spend a moment as Carol plays, as we pass around the offering plate, would you spend a moment with the Lord asking him, are there lies that I've believed this morning that I need to give to the Lord? And elders, I'll have you come up. If you feel led, led to give today, um, we forgot the, the plates, but we have boxes in the back. If you feel led to give, don't feel obligated at all to give. Um, let's pray for the offering. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray for those, for the resources that you've given us. God, would you help us to fight the fight, not just in a physical realm with these resources. God, but would you help us to fight the fight spiritually? Would you help us to support ministries like Chris? God, to go out and to share the gospel with young, with the young and the old, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would use these resources to glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen.